Hey, Adam. What's up? We're doing a live Q&A today. Are you available? Is this a live thing? It's a live thing. It's about to start right now. I got to go. All right. One, two, three, four. <laughs> you know what that sound means? It's a live <laughs> thing. I'm Peter Martin. I'm Adam Manis. And this is, oh, we got out of order, so I don't know what this is. I'm Adam Manis. I'm Peter Martin. You're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. See, we're like lemmings, man. If we get it, we got to just keep it. My wife messes with me sometimes. She's like, I'm Adam Manis. I'm like, I'm Peter Martin. I just start saying it. (laughs) We got to get the wives back on here. I know. They were way better than us. Way better. Way better. Um, Yeah. So today we're live on YouTube. We're taking your questions. We did this a couple weeks ago, and it was insanely popular. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it was either mildly amusing or insanely popular. I can't remember which. No, it actually was popular. Folks liked it, and we got we got a nice group of folks from around the world. We got France. We got Chicago. We got Iceland. Ooh. We got... Um, Colombia. Colombia. Not Colombia, Missouri. Cartagena. Well, I don't know if it's Cartagena, but Colombia in South America. So, yeah, we're excited. Um, and so, let's, should we just jump right in? We're Q&A in. Well, we're sponsored by Open Studio. We'll just say that. We are. We have a brand new course. We do. One of your well, you've got a couple now. Adam Manis is is put, planting his flag on, on the Open Studio. Um, I'm trying my best. Yeah, um, this is lead sheet breakdown from our brand new jazz piano basics series, and these are mini courses, cheap, not cheap, but I mean um, <laughs> less expensive, <laughs> affordable, <laughs> affordable. Sorry, I got to get my marketing speak. No, they're shorter, they're more digestible, lower figure, double digits instead of triple digits like we normally are. Getting some great response already. And basically, you just walk through pianists. It's really mostly for pianists, right? For sure. It's just for, that's why we call it jazz piano basics. But you're, it, it's really about how to approach a lead sheet. Yes. And yesterday, you know, we did a whole talk um, on the podcast about the real book and stuff. So this is a little bit related to that. But it's like you go through three tunes. You start it from, the, from, from really just the, the basics. And you take these four core elements, four steps and these elements and put them together. And you it's, got it, it's man. really cool, man. Have you taken the course? You got, I have taken like the course. I graduated. I, I'm waiting for my certificate. So what I thought would be good today, since we're totally ill-prepared for this live, is to wing it, and we'll just sort of jump back and forth with questions. Yeah, we got our first question here towards the top from uh, Nick Tardif Base 7 Hi, what do you guys like to think about in a turnaround that goes three, flat two, diminished, two, five, specifically on the flat two, diminished? And C would be E flat, diminished. Do you think B7? I love this because I've got a great answer for this. Yeah, no, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. In fact, you're blowing my mind even thinking about that B3 and the way he has it written. But um, what are you thinking about? So, Nick, I'm going to blow your mind real quick here. I think about A flat 7 sharp 11 over E flat. Now, that seems like a lot. It's actually kind of a diminished voicing. Check Nerd this alert. out. Yeah, right? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, even on the Kranich and Bach. Hard, hard to hear on the crank and box, but uh, <laughs> trust me. Think about this this movement here, right? So this is kind of like diminished shell. So I have E, D, G, and then E flat, C, G flat. I'm going to try to reach it again. And then on the top, I have this sort of... Uh, like an A, like a B flat, D, F... A flat stacked mm. on each other. It's a voicing I completely stole from Bill Evans, and it's com- it's gorgeous on the right piano. This is not that piano. <laughs> uh, Yet we keep it here because it's 
But that's what I think about for that, especially for three, six, two kind of thing. That's great. That diminished voicing, and it's kind of it's kind of a little bit off of the diminished. Um, but for me, man, that just like pops. No, that's great. Yeah. I had a, 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 another answer, but it wasn't as good. So let's move on. That was ah. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's, you know, that's the way it goes. Okay, so now we're gonna jump down a little bit from Dave B. Um, when you're practicing something new, scale, voicing, lick, whatever, how do you know when you've got it? I feel like I can practice something forever. When are you done? Uh, that's a really good question because um, I've heard it a lot and I've thought about it a lot. And um, the hardest thing, I, first of all, I do think that there is a, a point that you got it. And by got it, I'll just, I, I mean, for me, what that means is it's a part of your repertoire. It's something that you're comfortable playing. Yes. And if you think about you know, it's the difference between if you learn a new word, like let's say you read in the newspaper or in a book a word and you don't even know how to pronounce it. So you got to find that out. That's easier now because the Internet can actually pronounce things or Alexa, Alexa, whatever. But, you know, once I think you get to the point that you can say the word in line, like in as part of a sentence and without thinking, I'm going to use this new word. and I'm thinking about how I'm going to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a natural part of your vocabulary. That happens at a certain point, but you don't really know when that point is. So that's what's tricky about this. I think you can get it, but you're not going to know when you're done until you're actually done, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So it's like once you've, you, you know, so you're talking about scale, voicing, lick, whatever. Once you play that without having to think about it and without even knowing that you played it and you played it at the right time and it sounded good, that's when you know you're done practicing it. Um, and you can certainly practice it more, but I think that then it's a part of your vocabulary. Then you just need to play it. Yeah. Like if you do stop using it, you'll lose it, but that's not necessarily practicing it, right? Yeah, I mean, I know when I have something, when it comes out when I play. Yeah. Then I have it, yeah. right? And I don't try to force it before then. If it yeah. just naturally comes out, yeah. I know I've been working on it, right? And I know then it's part of my sound. If yeah. I work on something, and even if I know it really well, but like I don't, ever start putting it in my playing yeah i'm not gonna force it no and it's like i'm like well i just don't like it very much right <laughs> you right, know right, and right. so i'm just gonna quit practicing it all together but if something starts and so you might have it you might have have it of course but it's just not something that now your musical discernment is taking over it's not a matter of like you haven't practiced it enough usually yeah usually if it's something that i'm really interested in i can't wait for it to be in my playing and i yeah. hear it in my playing i just can't execute it yet yeah. and so if i'm practicing it just I want to be there with it so it just starts coming out. Yeah. And then once I can execute it on the fly comfortably in time, you know, at varying speeds with control, I know I've got it. Yeah, and I think, you know, we joke about this because the name of this podcast is You'll Hear It. Yeah. But I think that that's really what we're talking about. Like, you can hear it, like, you'll hear it, but then, like, how do you get to the point where you can execute it? That's that 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 time of practice. And then once you get to the point where you hear it and you're doing it, yeah. and then you're like, wow, that's when you know you got it. Hashtag reps, Andrew. Reps when you're editing. Sense. That's right. Hashtag reps. That's right. it takes reps. Cool. Uh, okay, I have one up here a little bit higher. What have you guys been shedding lately? I've been putting the metronome to the first partial of the triplet to make myself focus on the placement of every note. That's mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, first partial of the triplet means maybe the... The second. Da, ka, da, da, ka, da, da, oh, that's... Da, da, the first da, up. Da, yeah. Da, that's good. Da. That's really good stuff. Actually, that thing... I just recorded a lesson today... Uh, for Jazz Piano Method on this, this new pentatonic exercise I came up with. This is actually something I've been practicing been on. shedding, yeah, yeah. And I go through, you know, eighth notes, triplets with the same kind of pattern over that scale. Um, and then 
you know, with possibility for different accents within the triplet. I think it's very important because that's something that's super like uh, applicable to actual execution of phrasing while we're improvising. For sure. And it's the kind of thing that you have to have ingrained in you and the kind of control, especially for pianists. I think for horn players, this kind of thing is important too uh, because of like how they're going to, it's, it's all about phrasing. That's the thing that's like the same for all instruments. And I, I would just say, you know, for practicing, every time I get a chance to like really go on a deep dive of practice, even if it's for a couple of days, I always think about in, in like if I'm doing scales and arpeggios and that kind of thing, how do I want the phrasing to sound? Like, am I able to control the sound? Like that always becomes a big part of my practice routine because once you're working on music, arranging or learning tunes or whatever, that's the kind of thing that you don't have a chance to really get into, you know? And I think it's so important. So I'm, I'm always thinking about phrasing. It's all about the phrasing. It's awesome. Yeah, I've been shedding a lot on uh, just soloing with my, my left hand and my right hand together in one octave. Mm. Uh, and just rhythm changes, rhythm changes, rhythm changes. Right. Slowly, just just letting my left hand lead the improvisation. Yep. Because my right hand can do whatever my left hand can do usually. Um, it's been eye-opening how terrible I am at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's a great question. Um, it's more of a comment. Well, no, it's a question. Greetings from Southwest UK. Seven stars. Just wondering. This is from Terry. Yeah. Uh, just wondering when you're coming out with a you'll hear it branded bourbon. Well, interesting you should say that, Terry, because uh, in the next couple of months, we're going to announce a new. No, we're, we don't have. No, no, no. We just. First of all, we have to say we have some we have some listeners under the age of 18 yeah. and under the age of 21, depending or 19, your jurisdiction in the world. Right. Right. And we don't encourage bourbon and podcasting at the same time. However, for our adult members, are you guys, how old are you guys? Are you over? Oh, they're 22. See how they're, they're real quick to say they're over. Is that what your fake says or you're real? We do. <laughs> they're both the same. We now. do enjoy a, bur- a bit of bourbon. We do when enjoy we're a bit of bourbon. And that's a very interesting thing. Now, would it be as easy to brand it by just taking our beautiful logo and taping it upon a high end bourbon? How would that work? Is yeah, that- you could do that. Is I that- feel like, you know. <laughs> So I have friends who are really into beer, and I I love beer, and they brew beer. Yeah, and I'm like, why would you want to ruin beer for yourself like that? Just enjoy these people are really into making beer, and they're better at you, than you at it. Three and a half miles, no, two and a half miles from here is the Budweiser Brewery. If you <laughs> want to get some questionable beer, you can do that locally. Just go, go local. <laughs> take the tour. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but thank you for the question, and thank you for uh, the seven stars, especially. Um, I think it's your turn to pick a question. Well, I like this little back and forth. Yeah, we yeah, got yeah. maybe what two more? We got two more. more. Okay, so Rob Jeter. Sorry, sorry, Rob Jeter. If I'm if I'm totally butchering your Icelandic yes, name, I'm it's sure a beautiful are. looking name. The I entire know. name is gorgeous. It looks like your name looks like a mountain range in the distance of a beautiful Iceland. The little bit of time I spent in Iceland, like the names are beautiful, the people are beautiful. Yes, the men and the women, the old, the young, everybody. I mean, they've got like some secret a water source up there that they're hoarding apparently. Uh, so he has a couple questions here about, I saw some tutorials from JPS. That's our jazz piano studio, by the way, if anybody doesn't know on approach note formulas in bebop. Could you comment on this approach, important exercises or not? I think he's talking about JPS. Oh, I think he might be talking about a jazz piano school. Maybe, maybe so. Well, anyway, no, this is fine. We Uh, do have a jazz piano studio Facebook group and that's exclusive to members. If you, well, did uh, you do something, um, about this in there? 
I've done many things about uh, approach notes, so bebop approach notes. Okay. We call them enclosures here at Open Studio because yeah. that's how I learned them. Yeah, and that's just I what did we not call learn them. them like that, but I like um, to play them. But yeah, so these are these are incredibly important. Yeah. I think uh, it's part of the jazz language. It's part of our lexicon. Um, we all know them to some degree, and we all play them to a different degree. Yeah. Uh, but the, basically, the concept is you have a target note. Let's say it's C. That's C. Uh, and then you can surround it. The most basic level is I knew by a half step or. Yeah. And then you can even go from a whole step above and kind of come down. Or you can go from a whole step below. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the opposite. Or you can do the opposite. And there's a ton of these. And, yeah. and the combinations are endless and they're super fun. And once you get going on them, I mean, you can do it diatonically. They're great. I and think they, that, yeah. they create these like zig and zags in your rhythm. And yeah. They're, they're terrific. And, um, and I think an important element to think about these and where it really gets interesting and the application can really work for, you know, kind of um, bebop, as you said, is the timing of them, like strong beat, upbeat, triplet or whatever. And there's no right or wrong with that. But there is sort of intentionality in how you approach you know mm-hmm. these notes and like how different it is so yeah the intervals is you know there's set there's different ways to do it with the interval and the number of notes but like where it lays in the time is just as important for Agreed. the success of these things and whether Agreed. or not they sound good and it's easy you just kind of go by if it sounds good or not like i always think it's like well, which ones work and which ones don't i mean there's exceptions and then but like how you play something and the intentionality and the phrasing and, and the vibe that you give it um can almost make anything work so definitely think about that as you're learning those uh, all right. Hope that helped. And all right, we have another question here. L.A. checking in. What's up? And I got a good one after that. Los Angeles. What's up, West Coast? Does your playing technique or thought process change if you're using an EP, like a Rhodes or a Whirly, or a B3, a Hammond B3 organ? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, 100% it does. And actually, it yeah. changes a little more with the B3 than it does with the Rhodes or the Definitely. Whirly, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm not even super comfortable. I've done some records on B3 just for, like, rock projects or whatever. Yeah. And even then, I'm just like, this is not my, like, I feel like I'm faking the funk a little bit because I'm yeah. not a B3 guy. I never had one growing up. You know what I mean? Because it's its, its own instrument. I yeah. mean, and, and the, the, the musicians who are B3 specialists yep they can make them sing you know oh, yeah. i mean we i know what the black and white keys do but everything else i'm kind of like i i google just before i do the session <laughs> well i think too and it's just the main delineation between those is like a, a b3 and i i barely play i'm like i don't even do it i actually did it on one recording session yeah because they kind of really wanted me to do it and i didn't like the way i play i'm like i'm not i don't play this instrument i'd love to learn it yeah but, um, but I you don't have to spend time on it. You got to spend time. Expression pedal. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. But I mean, generally, like you're playing expression. a note on the B3 and it is can stay a solid. I mean, the same strength of the note until you let it go. That's the big difference between, you know, Rhodes and a Whirly are, are the action is very similar to a piano in a way. I mean, yeah, it's not hitting a string. It's hitting a tone bar or whatever. But the fact that there's a decay with the note, whereas on a B3, you can hold a note forever. Yeah. Right. And it stays at the same place. So that's the big difference in terms of like, you know, how you approach it, what you can play. And so, you know, to me playing on a Rhodes, it's more the sound is different, but the action and the attack and how that you play it is is much closer to an acoustic piano. It is. But I do actually change. I have uh, both a Rhodes and a Whirly that I play regularly. I've got yeah. the Rhodes over there. I'm looking at it. Um, 
and I like I like to gig on those things as opposed to like a Nord or something or a yeah, keyboard. Yeah, I, I prefer those. And I do change my how I play, even based on if I'm playing the Rhodes or the Whirly. It's because the Rhodes has more sustain. The Whirly doesn't have quite as much sustain. The Whirly's punchier, has a, like a sharper attack. Yep. You know. Yep. So. Uh, I mean, I think just naturally, if you're listening and you're trying to blend with your band and you're yeah. trying to, you know, support the music as much as possible, you're naturally going to play differently and approach those. You, I mean, you should anyway. If you're yeah. not, then you're not really listening. You're just kind of running your fingers in the way that you would anything. I mean, right. I don't know about you, but I can kind of change my approach depending on the piano I'm playing. If yeah. I'm playing a really oh, yeah. crisp, bright piano, that's going to affect how I do things. If I'm playing on like a nice, dark, belly Steinway, yeah, also going to affect how I do things. I think that, yeah, I mean, even thinking about the different kind of keyboard instruments, the main difference uh, outside of the sound, which, like, as you say, like, the sound of two different acoustic pianos can be violently different. For sure. But in terms of you have categories of, like, how the sound's produced. So, like, if a string is being struck, or if a you know or or something's being hit with a hammer, yeah. so that's a rose, that's a whirly, that's a piano, that's a what else is, I don't know, like a clavinet, clavinet or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got um, like a harpsichord where this where a string is plucked, yeah, still from the keyboard action, and then you've got like a um, where the sound is electronically produced and can just continue to go like a Hammond or whatever else. Yeah. So to me, like that's. The, the kind of main sort of difference in how you have to approach the instrument. And then you just have different sounds. For sure. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I feel Wait, I got one more. Oh, you got one more. Is that okay? okay? All right, go ahead. No, go ahead. From Jan right. um, or Jan. I'm never sure. Question. What, when forming a band, do you think it's important to set the bar high early and stop and replay it upon Confusion's mistakes or just focus on having fun and getting serious later? Set a leader or democracy? This is going for you. Uh, I'm always I'm always a, the leader first, but like I'm always like um, I think no matter what you do, you have to put the music first. And for that, it takes a good leader to recognize who the musicians are in your band and what are their personalities. And yeah. some people respond really well to you being like, hold on, let's clean this up right here and right now. And then some people need to jam it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you got to be able to recognize that. But I've noticed you've over the years that and I've known you, you've kind of grown into that role maybe you've always kind of had that belief in philosophy but in terms of just being able to state it that's like whereas before you were more about like oh no democracy and like trying to set things up and now yeah i think that that you're a little bit more like if whenever the situation and that could be you or could be somebody else or whatever but i love the fact that you said it's about the music and it's about the end result right whatever is going to bring that about is is how that needs to be set up with that group of personality with that music yeah be be prepared to come at your fellow musicians like on their side not in front of them if that yeah. makes sense like get with them get down with them and understand what their motivations are and yeah. what their goals are for the music yeah. and so like if you have a player who really like maybe they just really need to play for like 20 minutes to actually figure out what do I want to do with this let them do it you know yeah. but if you have a player who is responds really really well to like direct hey you should maybe try or we should we should maybe do this yeah do that you yeah. know whatever works for the music is 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 but it takes it's a harder answer because it takes actually getting to know people yeah <laughs> and about this part here about do you think it's important to set the bar high early and stop and replay upon confusion mistakes or just focus on having fun now that's i don't think you i think you absolutely it's important to set the bar high i think with doing anything yeah. from a from a one-off gig to forming a band or whatever the more long-term it is the more 
you want to set the bar high, but I mean, like, I want to set the bar high musically every time. For sure. And and a lot of times it just takes one person. Hopefully everybody comes with that attitude. Yeah. But I've been in situations before playing with full orchestras and jazz groups and big bands and different things where you get a kind of a herd mentality and someone's got to, like, set the bar. They don't even have to be the best player. It's not about, like, oh, I'm the best so everyone come to my level. It's just like, no, come on, let's let's really do this serious. Let's Let's kind of shepherd everybody together normally with an orchestra that's a conductor you need that to come from but yeah. not always it can yeah. be anybody there and if you are the leader of yeah. like if it's your project or whatever then you i think you have total license just to set the culture of the rehearsals and of the session yeah. or the gigs or whatever by being like hey we're not moving on until we nail this but i think that you can focus on having fun and get serious i think that you can it can be serious and you can have fun yeah it's not mutually from exclusive. the beginning yeah yeah, yeah. And, and actually, i mean that's that's hard that you again, work on that the player some players respond to hard work is like yeah this is what i want to be doing this is right. fun for me yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you know what's fun been fun for me it's because we got the youtube live i've been watching us do you know how much we do this both of us back and forth and you can't on the podcast you can't see us but we're rotating our chairs we need straight jackets on oh my this gosh thing. I, no, honestly it's crazy no, like the amount is, of I'm movement <laughs> man it's like we got to go potty it's bounce. like potty time here man thanks for telling us where we i am we need like uh <laughs> we need like fidget spinners or i do this a lot and, and, i'm and watching we, myself we've here, already got like, a computer with like 30 screens though we got plenty of stuff to distract we got keyboards we got yeah. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, today's podcast was brought to you by Open Studio. Go to openstudiojazz.com. Check out our new course. Uh, jazz, jazz Piano Basics. Jazz Piano Basics. That's jazz with an S. No, no it's not. It's that's jazz with a Z. Uh, lead sheet breakdown. It's already kind of popping off. I'm super excited about this I can this see course. that. I yeah, can feel yeah, it. I can feel the proud. excitement in the room. Uh, but yeah, until next time. You'll hear it.